your body is telling you this feels like crap, it's maybe because this isn't good for you. It's maybe because a change is needed when that is possible, right? If it is within your capacity to change it, that's the message from your body. What is going on, everyone? Emily Abadi here. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle. Your girl is back from a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful week in Cabo San Lucas. I can't believe I'd never been to Mexico before. And honestly, it was just so, so needed, specifically because of the topic that we're getting into today on the show, which is burnout. I myself was certainly, certainly starting to feel a little bit of this. And so I was really grateful to be able to log off for the most part, travel without an international data plan and spend some time sans phone, taking a deep breath and coming back to me. So I wanted to chat about burnout on the show today, and to do so, I am bringing in an expert. Her name is Victoria Albina. She is a certified life coach among many things and the perfect person to be chatting about this topic with, and we'll address exactly why in the beginning of today's episode. We talk about what burnout is. We give it a definition of sorts. We also identify how you know it's happening to you, the signs of it, and the tricks and tips that you can walk away with to navigate burnout on your own. What I love about Victoria's approach is that she has done so much extensive research on this topic, a lot of which she cites in our discussion today. And she's just got this really great way of explaining things that makes you feel like you're not alone in what you're going through. And that as you know, is a big part of my mission here over on Hurdle. She also talks about her three A's, which are super helpful, and the importance of self-talk and how we speak to ourselves and being realistic about what we're saying to ourselves. So, so, so much goodness in this episode, and I'm really excited to bring it to the feed. Before I get into it today, I do wanna make sure that I call out one more time. The Another Journal Conquered Challenge is well underway. We are on day two today, Wednesday, July 14th, and it's not too late for you to get in on the action. If you wanna join us journaling three times a week together for the next month, we'd love to have you. Simply click on over to the show notes and click the link that will take you to the weekly hurdle newsletter, become a paid subscriber, and you'll get journaling prompts in your inbox at Emily Abadi at hurdle podcast. And also last call out book club this coming Monday, July 19th for reading green lights by Matthew McConaughey. We'll be having a discussion at 8 PM Eastern. And I would love to have you join in the link to do that is in the show notes. Okay. Okay. I promise I am done now <laughs> with that. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I'm sitting down with Victoria Albina. She's a certified life coach, and we are here to talk all about burnout. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. How are you? 
I'm so good. We were just wrapping. This is going to be coming out on, on Wednesday. We're recording it on Tuesday. I'm fresh back from a trip from Mexico. And let me tell you, if you want to take a deep exhale on burnout, then heading out to, to Cabo San Lucas isn't a bad way to deal with it. It's really not. So before we get into it today, talk to me a little bit about how you got into life coaching and why you're the right person for me to be chatting about this topic with today. Ooh, I love, I love the way you asked that. So, um, I came into life coaching through a rather circuitous path. Um, I am uh, a holistic functional medicine nurse practitioner as well. And so I actually came into coaching through medicine. So I was a primary care provider, uh, worked in the trenches for a hot minute, uh, and then left primary care to do more holistic medicine. And over the years of working in medicine, I, I came to see that what was really ailing my patients uh, underneath the actual parasites and actual thyroid problems, right? And like actual physical issues was trauma, stress, um, lack of self-assurance, issues with self-worth, right? There were all these mental health concerns that came from their stories about themselves that were showing up in their soma, in their bodies. And somatically, the tension patterns they were holding were worsening their symptoms. And of course, none of this is you know, saying they were to blame for their symptoms. What I'm saying is it was so much more complex than just looking at a bunch of labs and doling out supplements or pharmaceuticals. And through that path of healing myself and seeing, because the universe is amazing, my own issues reflected in my patients, um, I came to really connect with my own passion for mental health and mental wellness, which lead me, led me to eventually leave medicine and uh, strike out on this other path as a life coach. So I think the issue of burnout is is a complex one. I think we need to throw capitalism under the bus. I think there is uh, not insignificant evidence, right? There's there's an evidence base. I'm also, um, uh, I have a master's in public health. I studied epidemiology. So, you know, a nerd's nerd. I think we need to talk about the nervous system uh, when we talk about burnout, um, as well as cognitive behavioral approaches and looking at our thoughts that are part and parcel of burnout. So I think those are the things that make me a pretty darn great gal to talk to about this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate it. And wow, what an amazing resume here. Before we, you know, truly, truly dive in, I think the first thing that we should do is define, if we can, what burnout really is. So what, what, what would your best definition be? Hmm. So... I think burnout, the way I think about it is when, when we're in system overload, right? So when our, our nervous systems, our adrenals, um, our, our, our heart in the largest sense of that, not the cardiovascular sense, right? When, um, we have gotten to a point of, of overwhelm and exhaustion that our body is, we are outside our, our, what's called the window of tolerance, uh, or I like Jane Clapp's words, the window of bodily dignity, which is the window in which our nervous system is able to respond to uh, an overexcitement, an overactivity of stimuli, and is able to bring us back into 
the safe and social part of our nervous system. So we get sort of pushed beyond our capacity to bring ourselves back. I'm thinking I'm like making accordion hands with my, <laughs> like we get pushed beyond our capacity, pushed beyond, pushed bits. You know what? It's like a rubber band. You stretch it too far, you stretch it too far, you stretch it too far, and eventually it just breaks. And that's sort of what burnout is, yeah? That those internal capacities, those resources to bring ourselves back into coherence with self and with environment, we lose our, our access to them, our capacity to them. Short term, right? We can, there's ways to bring ourselves back, but it feels quite out of our grasp. Right, right. And I mean, you kind of hinted at some of these before, but there are so many different reasons why mm. burnout can occur. So let's address what some of those could be. You know, um, I'm always going to start with the fact that employees are being overworked, right? And so um, there was a study I was reading the other day, I believe from the Economic Policy Institute, that shows that productivity has increased somewhere in the 20% mark in the last decade, but wages have only increased less than 2%. Mm. And so, right, uh, employees here in the U.S., and I'm sure we could look globally, but within this context, folks are being pushed beyond their capacities, right? They, it is being demanded of them that they work harder, faster, be more productive, produce more for the, for the economy than they're being comp compensated for, than they're being given time off for. Um, and so I think that's a really important driver. And I think we need to start with late stage capitalism and how dangerous it is for employees. Yeah, I think that's really important. I also think sometimes this is, uh, you know, a point where it's really important to have open and honest conversations, uh, perhaps with friends when it comes to capitalism and wages and how hard you're working versus what you're being compensated for. Because sometimes, you know, we might feel like we're burning out, but we also feel as though like, oh, I should just suck it up. I should just suck it up. I should just suck it up. But you're entitled to know if you're being paid a fair wage for the work that you are doing. Completely agreed. Completely agreed. Yeah. And, you know, this was something that I saw, you know, I, I worked in primary care in many places, but one of them was New York City. And I, I heard this all the time from my patients, particularly in their 20s and early 30s, where they literally didn't have time to exercise, to rest, to see friends, because it was demanded that they be at their job or jobs to pay for student loans, right? For 400 hours a day, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Obviously, we're talking about work stress being a huge cause for burnout, but it's more than that, right? Sure. What else can be a cause here for this sort of feeling? Yeah. So my passion is working with human socialized as women to take a look at codependent perfectionist and people-pleasing thought habits. I see that that uh, sort of entire category as, of thinking as coming from the same wounding, the wounding that says, I am not worthy of love, of care, of good things. I am not worthy or valuable as a human animal unless someone else is validating that back to me, right? Unless I'm getting that good girl from my parents, my boss, my partner, my date, society at large. And so from that framework, of course you're going to overwork. Of course you're going to continue to push yourself. 
right? That that way of thinking often comes with all or nothing thinking, black and white thinking, good and bad thinking. So if you have a job, you're going to work a million hours a day because you want, right? You have that perfectionist loop in your head that says, do it perfectly, or your sense of worthiness of being alive is actually at stake. Right, right. And that's no good for anybody. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, no, absolutely not. Not for, not for you, not for your family, not for your loved ones, and also not for your job. Because yeah. once you burn out, you're, you're lost there too, right? And you mentioned, I believe, the word perfectionism, mm. which then my head goes toward the highlight reel, which is social media, which can totally. also be a huge source for burnout when we're constantly being surrounded by so much visual stimulation and inevitably for many struggling with that comparison trap. Absolutely. I mean, capitalism and white settler colonialism both push our brains towards compare and despair, right? It is part and parcel of those systems to pit us against each other, right? Instead of having a communal way of thinking that when any of us succeed, this is a success for all, right? We've stepped out of that collective consciousness in a lot of ways. And instead, you know, it's, ugh, I can't believe so-and-so got engaged. Ugh, so-and-so got a raise. Ugh, I'm worthless. I'm useless. I don't measure up based. I love that you said highlight reel because, yeah, what what else is social media, right? It's kind of fake right. that way. There's not a lot of pictures of people being like, here I am at the office at 2 a.m. again and I have to be back at 8 because my boss demands it. Yeah. Yeah. There's not that transparency there very often. The next question that truly arises, though, is what would be the difference between something like burnout versus maybe normal exhaustion or perhaps like a different extreme, which could be depression? Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's like a clinical diagnostic sort of difference. Right. For me, the the difference is really like sort of felt in the gut, right? So um, we can talk about how burnout literally alters and changes your brain on a chemical and physiologic level. Um, what I would say is that, uh, you know, exhaustion can be mitigated with a couple nights good rest, right? Uh, with shifts in circadian rhythm, with a trip to Cabo like you just did. Exhaustion can be sort of handled um, with things that we may think of as more like quotidian, like really actually putting yourself to bed at 930, like the sweet, tender baby you are, um, like doing things like that, right? Exercise, vernacular, B12. by the way. Aww. Great vernacular. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. So you said sleep, exercise, B12. Right. Totally. Yeah. Like those things can help if it's just exhaustion, right? Um, and then, but burnout, because of the actual changes in our physiology it's it's something that's more as an organism we need more complex support to help our bodies our minds our spirits to recover from actual burnout obviously burnout a little bit more of a to-do than just dealing with a little bit of exhaustion so now as we've covered what burnout is the difference between perhaps burnout and exhaustion how does one go about treating burnout? And can you do it on your own or should you always seek out professional assistance? I mean, the latter is a challenging one, right? Uh, because as a, as a licensed healthcare provider, of course, I, I need to say 
please visit your primary care provider. Um, yes. And having been a primary care provider, I know that you're not going to get much help there. So right. <laughs> I've met my legal and ethical duty, but I also know like it's it, where, where, where is it going to get you, right? They're not going to do the complex adrenal testing that a functional medicine or holistic provider might. Um, so if that is within your financial capacity to go to functional medicine, to go to a holistic healthcare provider, to go to acupuncture, to go to body work, I would recommend those things in addition mm-hmm. to um, talking with a counselor, a therapist, a coach, right? Someone who is focused on helping you to understand the complexity of what burnout really looks like. Then, of course, let us note the irony here, right? If you're feeling wicked burned out, what's the last thing you want to do? Maybe talk about it. Yeah. Right. Or like even hunt for someone, see if they take your insurance, see if you can afford it, make an appointment, schlep across town, find or find park it. You know, it's, I mean, one of the, the pandemic has been horrifying, of course, particularly for black and brown folk, low income folk. But what's been phenomenal about the pandemic is the shift to telehealth. And the fact that now so much more is available from your living room. So I do want to remind folks that maybe the schlep part isn't part of it. So consider maybe that that doesn't need to be a barrier to care. And I think it's important for us to recognize that it takes a big person to say, okay, yo, I am not well. I am right. tired. I am burnt yeah. out. So yeah. that like that's step number one, sure. right? And then loving yourself enough perhaps or wanting to give yourself the grace and the compassion that you deserve to then say, okay, I am going to take responsibility here and do something about it. Because in the moment, that first you know, step, like figuring out what you're going to do here, that can certainly be overwhelming. But when you take a step back and you think about the benefits that will come hand in hand with you doing something for yourself with you getting willing to step outside of that comfort zone and make a change that's going to impact this extreme level of burnout. That's so worth it in the long haul. Agreed. And and this may sound funny, so stay with me for just a second. Because I'm here. Okay, great. Whew, God. Um, because my clients, for the most part, are coming from this codependent framework in which we put others and their wellness, their joy, their everything ahead of our own. In, in working to heal from that, right, we turn that focus, that spotlight that we've shown on everyone else our whole lives back on ourselves. And this is actually a place where we can recognize the way burnout impacts the prefrontal cortex. It thins it. The way burnout enlarges the amygdala, which increases moodiness, um, which reduces our stress response, right? We can have a big startle response. We effectively step out of our normal functioning brain, right? The way our brains previously functioned and into this altered state of being. From there, accessing that self-love story right? I love me enough to do this. Maybe extra challenging when you've spent the last 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years in a codependent framework. And so if the thing that will get you to care, that will get you to rest, that will get you to put your ass in bed at 9.30, and I'm just not kidding about 9.30 because your adrenals are going to turn back on at 10 and like, please be asleep before that happens, before you get that cortisol boost and then go into gluconeogenesis around 3 a.m. Like, please be in bed. But if the thing that's going to get you to there is, you know, I'm going to do this for my partner. I'm going to do this for my kids. I'm going to do this for my mom. I'm going to do this for my dog. I'm going to do this for my boss. Like, If that is the motivator that gets you to take care of yourself so that you can then do the internal work to actually 
I did that from self-love and I can do the next step from self-love. I'm out here like, please get co with this, <laughs> get healthier, right? Get back into you and then do the thought work I teach, then do the somatics I teach to, to, to get your head in the place you might want it to get to, to prevent burnout the next time by yeah. actually prioritizing yourself. But do you see what I'm saying there? Like if oh, your superpower totally. is codependence, like, okay, cool. Let's lean on it. Yeah. No, I mean, I totally, I totally get it. And I think you're speaking to an issue that so many of us have either struggled with at one point or maybe currently have right now, which is that it is hard sometimes to prioritize ourselves, to make the time to invest ourselves, to put our own well-being first. But again, right. you need to have grace with yourself. You need to have some compassion. And by putting yourself first, as you kind of just got at here, you are in turn going to be better to show up for all of the people that you care about, whether it is personally or professionally. Right. Right. And yeah, whatever gets you there, right? We started to kind of get into some of the things that you can do on your own at home, perhaps, mm. to deal with burnout outside of perhaps seeking out uh, help that you might be able to do virtually or, if you're willing to, trek across to wherever and do it IRL. But what else would you suggest that someone does at home aside? You also mentioned that great 930 Goldilocks bedtime. I love I love 930 bedtime. Samesies. Right? I, I also will say I, I'm built for it. Right. A friend and I were joking last night because I was like, come over and watch a movie. And she was like, yeah, so I can watch you sleep on the couch. And I was like, yeah, facts. That's facts. Right. <laughs> science. That is what will happen. But only 10 out of 10 times. So <laughs> come on over. Um, yeah. So 930 is a phenomenal time to be in bed. Having the same bedtime, the same wake time are are amazing gifts that you can give yourself. Um, I get that that can be really challenging, particularly if you've spent the day putting everyone ahead of yourself. It can seem like once you know, you've closed your computer for the night with work stuff, if there are children or partners involved, those people are in bed or otherwise taken care of. I get it, right? Why our inner children, our inner teenagers are like, yo, stay up. You can watch the YouTubes. You can have like an hour to yourself. Right. <laughs> or an introverted friend of mine was telling me last night that they they stay up late because it's a time when they can like recharge their batteries and there's no humans involved. Well, that's how I feel about the mornings, though, mm. like that. And I feel like as you're explaining that you're a 930 to bed person, Ooh. I assume that maybe you're also a morning person like to share baby. this. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that is what I get in the morning. And there's so much research that totes the benefits right. of being a morning person, not to slam those that just like no. can't make it happen. But yeah. to say that if you're seeking that time and you may be used to finding it on the tail end of your day, I right. would encourage you to try to tweak that, swap right. that, and see how it makes you feel. Totally. And one of the things that the evidence base shows is when we're when we're learning to manage burnout and to help heal from it is a thing I teach in my program so much, which is celebrating ourselves, right? Celebrating ourselves and our small wins, setting small manageable goals, by which I mean like legit, like, oh, I had a glass of water today, like just the one, and celebrating it helps with our neuroplasticity, right? So when our brains are set to that perfectionist groove, I'm never doing enough. Nothing I do is ever good enough. As we celebrate the tiny, our brain's like, oh, I, I did a good. I can celebrate me for a good. 
that's amazing. Yay me, right? (laughs) And and I get it. It might feel like super awkward or, you know, boastful. Like there's all these problematic words, particularly for human socialized as women when we celebrate ourselves. And those are reasons why I would say, please do it on the daily. And I bring this up because I deeply believe in taking kitten-sized steps. Like baby steps are really big if you think about it. That's like two and a half inches. That's wild for most of us, right? But a kitten-sized step, that is doable. So we take these kitten-sized steps. So if you are habitually going to bed at 1 a.m., why don't you set the goal of 12.50 and just set a little alarm for 12.45, 12.50, turn the phone off and give yourself a week or two or three, however long it takes to get you to 12.50 celebrate yourself every night and build trust with yourself. Because that's one of the things that happens in burnout is along the way, we trust that other people know better for us than we know for ourselves. Oh, my boss needs this for tomorrow. That must be more important, says that internal script, right? Subconsciously that we're, we're not even hearing. That must be more important than my taking care of me. And so that starts to erode our self-trust in these really powerful ways. Again, when that core wounding in our heart is, I am not worthy of love and care and good things, we're already in that self-trust deficit, right? And so we get to rebuild that using the power of our own neuroplasticity, honoring our nervous system by really celebrating 10 minutes of change at a time, right? One minutes of change at a time. Um, And then, you know, within six months, maybe you're going to bed at 11. And I would say that that's amazing because sustainable change is slow change. Right. Kitten size steps. Man. Kitten That's steps. something I'm going to, I'm going to, those take are the best ones. Just a yeah. Kitten I one. mean, well, I feel like, are you a cat person? You can be honest. I'm actually really, I mean, so I'm a Leo, so I'm a lion person. <laughs> Can the rest of the show be talking about my hair? Um, because that's now mandated. I'm more of a dog person. What about you? I'm more of a dog person as well. But uh, I mean, yeah. puppies can also take big steps. So I think the kitten analogy true. really, it really. It's so it tiny. Really, it's so tiny. It's so tiny. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, we talked about uh, kitten size steps, yep. going to bed earlier, prioritizing yourself, uh, yeah. maybe talking with a professional, yeah. something that we haven't addressed here at all. And I'm wondering if you have anything mm. to throw into the mix here when it comes to our diets and Ooh, burnout. Yeah. Sure. Can we talk about that for a hot sock? We can. Yeah. I always want to be thoughtful, right? Because one of the things that can go with burnout is Well, within the New York context, I often saw a lot of orthorexia alongside, right, uh, folks who were overworking. And again, this is in in the context of insurance-based primary care, right? So people with access to financial resources were, you know, working these 40-hour days and were scared of eating anything outside the clean regimen, right? Mm, it's like mm-hmm. the the more culturally acceptable eating disorder, right? Because it's a it's a it's control, um, but it looks like clean eating. So it's like, you know, women's magazines approved. So I always just want to be <laughs> like, but right? I mean, oh, is your man. girl wrong? Right. You're not wrong, which is Thank awful. You. But I would like I would hope to think as someone I would like to think as someone who um has a legacy background in women's magazines that they're starting to get better with the way they talk to their girl. Anyway, quote unquote. So let's talk biochemically. Why don't we do that? 
right? Let's talk, let's talk biochemically, why don't we? What <clears throat> everyone adjust your safety glasses. Um, <laughs> we're going to nerd. Uh, not that we haven't been nerding for like an hour, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, if we think about putting stimulants into our body, right? So in burnout, we are adrenalized, right? Our bodies are often flooded with sympathetic activation, which is um the fight or flight portion of our nervous system as these demands are put upon us and we we put de demands upon ourselves our bodies are full of adrenaline norepinephrine eventually cortisol right this is where the term adrenal fatigue which is not sciency it's not a great term because organs don't get fatigued but colloquially like it works so i i i caveat it and then i use it but okay. when we think about adrenal fatigue our adrenals Right, have been putting out all these stress hormones. And so once that system is maxed out and we're not getting those little like blips of adrenaline we need to be able to like get up and put on shoes and be a functional mammal in the world, when we're at that deficit, we're of course we're exhausted, right? Because we're not getting the, those chemicals that we need. And so quite frankly, within this culture, this society here in the, the U.S., what we are taught to do is to put caffeine on it, to put sugar on it, to put gluten on it, right? To put quick carbs on it. I was going to say, I put Reservatrol on it. Well. <laughs> I reached right for the red wine. Right. Oh, <laughs> fan. Right. But that's the evening wind down from yeah. the all day over, like over hyping yourself to make up for the fact that you physiologically can't hype yourself. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's like espresso all morning and a croissant um, and then some pizza. Right. And we're, we're going for fast carbs because as mammals, that makes science. Right. So brains can eat two things, um, glucose and ketone bodies. Ketone bodies come from fat and glucose. Well, glucose is delicious. Right. And so when brains are overworked, they're like, yo, give me calories, make them carbs, make them now. And so again, not demonizing any foods or any food groups, but when you're putting fast carbs on it and you're putting sugar and caffeine on burnout, you're not doing your physiology any favors because what you're at a deficit of is the neurotransmitters that will help you to feel more relaxed, calm, more grounded, more centered, right? We can talk about how to put thought work, the thought work, the cognitive behavioral thought work that I teach on top of that to help you make different decisions. But what your physiology really needs is, is fat and protein, right? Is avocados and coconut oil and coconut milk. And I'm Argentine, so have another steak, please, um, right? Uh, vegetables, uh, some fruits, but what your body does not need is, is, is the fast calories. And that's the irony, right? Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsors. First up, Element. That's L-M-N-T. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix that's got everything you need and nothing you don't. Yes, 
Indeed, that means a lot of salt and zero sugar. Element is sugar-free, it's gluten-free, it has all natural ingredients, it's paleo and keto-friendly, and it's also science-backed. Plus, it tastes absolutely delicious. I am a huge fan of their watermelon salt flavor, but they have flavors for every taste, ranging from citrus and orange to raw unflavored mango chili, lemon habanero, I'm telling you, so many options. It's also got the optimal ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium to give your muscles what they really need when you are out there giving it all you've got during those hot summer workouts. Of course, we've got a great offer for you. Head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free element sample pack, including two citrus, raspberry, orange, and unflavored. You only pay $5 for shipping. Again, head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get a free element sample pack today. Also want to give some love to my friends at Gooder. I have been obsessing over my Gooders since the moment my first pair arrived. They are stylish and functional sunglasses that I don't have to worry about falling or slipping, whether I am on a bike ride, heading up over the George Washington Bridge, or tackling 400 meter repeats at the track. I'm a huge fan of their Operation Blackout style. I'm also a big fan, this is a fun name, of their Midnight Ramble at the Circle Bar. <laughs> Circle OG's style. They have frames for every face. And of course, they've also got a great offer for Hurdle listeners. Head on over to gooder.com. That's G-O-O-D-R.com slash Hurdle and use code Hurdle15 to get 15% off today. Again, that is gooder.com slash Hurdle. Use code Hurdle15 to get 15% off your purchase today. the thought work that you would kind of top onto this. So I would love to kind of dive into that as one of the last things that we cover here today. Talk to me about where someone even begins with that self-talk when it comes to navigating burnout. Yeah. So I think what's really important, I always talk about the three A's, awareness, acceptance, and action. So we need to recognize what's going on before we can change it right? You, you don't know to change the light bulb until you realize it's gone out. So that awareness starts with stepping into being our own watcher, our own observer, right? Being, recognizing that we are not our thoughts. We are the human having those thoughts, right? Uh, we are the embodied human moving through the world. And so many of my clients live their lives from their head up and are so disembodied. I mean, not literally, they they have a human body, but they are not connected to it in a way that um, helps them to really feel, okay, I'm getting adrenalized, right? Their brain just starts to tell the story. Oh, I'm anxious. I, I need to work harder, right? Or they don't recognize, oh, I'm this moment of overwhelm is leading me into dorsal shutdown, the freeze part of our autonomic nervous system. It's hard to recognize it as such so that we can support ourselves to shift our nervous system state if we don't know what's going on. Mm. So that self-awareness is really key. Uh, meditation is phenomenal. It's not for everyone. For folks with a lot of trauma in their history, it's probably not a great place to start. Instead, I would start with what I find to be more accessible um, and the evidence base shows to be more accessible for more people, which is mindfulness. 
right? As I like put my jewelry on in the morning, I take a breath, put my earring on, feel the weight now on my ear, put a necklace on, feel it land on my chest, put my rings on, right? Like it, it doesn't have to be complex, expensive. It's not a course you need to take. It's really just inviting yourself. And again, I would, I'm, I'm a witch who's really into ritual, right? So the, and the evidence base shows when we tie new habits to things we do anyway, we have more success long-term. Habit stacking. Right? Exactly. So mm-hmm. I love the science and I love the woo. So let's put it together and, and call it a <laughs> ritual, right? So pick a thing from your day. When I make tea, when I, you know, when I put my shoes on, whatever you're going to do anyway, slow down. But slow down by like milliseconds, not hours, right? Like you don't have yeah. to go to an Ashtanga retreat. So go on. That's great. But take a millisecond to get present with the things you're doing. So as you increase your time at task with that, you increase your awareness of yourself and your body, your awareness of how different things actually make you feel in your physiology, somatically, meaning in the body, and not just what your cognitions, your thoughts are about those experiences in your life. And so my work is a combination of a cognitive behavioral-based thought work protocol and somatic work deeply based in the body, right? Bottom up, somatic, top down, cognitive. And so what I support my clients in doing is that physical awareness that comes from being your own watcher combined with actively consciously looking at your thoughts. So if you're racing through your day, having the thought, repeating the thought, I am so overwhelmed. I'll never get this done. My to-do list is so long. This is just too much. Oh my God, I'm going to fail at everything. This is going to be the worst. My boss is going to hate this. The more you're repeating those stories, the more you're engaging your your neuroplasticity around those stories. So you're it reinforcing those neural grooves within your own mind that tell you you're overwhelmed, you're a failure, everything's lost, everything's terrible. So again, by bringing in mindfulness, being your own watcher, recognizing, oh, I do repeat those stories. I, I repeat them all day, every day. Fascinating. Okay, so when I say in my head, I'm so overwhelmed, what do I feel in my body? Oh, I feel a flutter in my heart. I feel a little nauseous. I have diarrhea like five minutes later. Girl, I did gastroenterology for a long time. It's so real. Here we I are. But it. here I mean, we are. Your thoughts impact your gut and your gut. Like it's all, everything ties to your gut. Right. It's honest. your autonomic nervous system, right? Yeah. Because when you're in, I mean, so if you think about it, what is stress? It is a lion chasing you across the Sahara, right? About to snack on you and everyone you've ever met and you're going to die immediately. And our bodies don't really get the difference between lion attack and 3 a.m. text from your boss. And so if you're going to run from a lion, are you going to do it with a colon full or are you going to? Right. No, you're going to clean that out. You're going to clean that out. You're going to do a little self-colonic there right on the Sahara. So, (laughs) right, but I see, I you know, when I was doing GI work, I would, all of these otherwise healthy young women with with quote unquote IBS where I was like this is just complete BS this is stress this is trauma this is the demands of our modern life and the fact that we are not taught how to regulate our nervous system 
right? Which, right. which for me is at the core of the work I do because when our nervous systems are dysregulated, which means again, that we are in that fight or flight or dorsal shutdown freeze state, which is often at the what like actual burnout looks like is we've been so hyped up that our bodies are like, shut her down. This is not sustainable, again, biochemically or energetically or spiritually. So we go into that freeze and we can't do much. <laughs> For the person who they are now observing, they're observing mm. that they're saying, wow, I'm so overwhelmed. Sure. I'm never going to get all this done. Now let's offer them the, okay, I see this. What do I say to myself instead? Right. So it really awareness, acceptance, action. Before we jump to action, we need to pause in acceptance. And I think I have found in the last decade of doing this work and in, in my own work as well, that that is the most challenging step for folks, particularly coming from these perfectionist and people-pleasing thought habits. We want to take action. We want to do the next thing. But it's taking action and action and action and action and not <sighs> breathing, right. accepting, resting. That is part and parcel of getting us here. Right. And so before we jump to changing our thoughts, it is vital that we sit with them, that we recognize the physiologic somatic reverberations, the feelings that occur in our body when we have that thought, I'm so overwhelmed. So how does that make you feel? Right. It makes me despondent, uh, angry, <laughs> sad. Right. But really getting in touch with the feeling and allowing the feeling to exist in your body, because if not, I mean, the real danger seems a little maybe overwrought, but maybe not. Right. The, let's say it. The danger of this work. Yeah, it works. Is emotional bypassing, spiritual bypassing, using a, the, something like the thought work protocol to jump over the human experience of, of recognizing that if your body is telling you this feels like crap. It's maybe because this isn't good for you. It's maybe because a change is needed when that is possible, right? If it is within your capacity to change it, that's the message from your body. Right, right. Okay, so acceptance, super, is super is important. Key. And really, and just letting yourself cry about it, letting yourself mash your fists and throw it temper tantrum about it letting yourself be a four-year-old and a 12-year-old and and let your inner children just let it out right so from there from really having felt the feelings which again I recognize is really challenging because we're not taught to do that we're taught to suppress our feelings then we take action and we do that again by engaging our neuroplasticity so I invite my clients to pick a new thought a new thought that they believe in their physiology. So I don't do like po toxic positivity, you know, hashtag positive vibes only, not my jam. It for a, a host of reasons, um, primary of which is like, that's not neuroscience. That's not how brains work, right? You can't lie to yourself and expect your brain and body and spirit to like actually change, right? Um, there's no need to gaslight ourselves. So instead, we pick a thought that we can believe and that resonates in our body as believable, right? And we recognize, so wait, how do I know what it feels like in my body when something is believable? So you start with something that feels like a true, deep fact for you. I love my grandma. 
So you feel into it, right? So when I think about my abuelita, let's, let me think about my abuela, Marta Beatriz. When I think about her, aww, I get like this warm blue energy in my chest and it vibrates and it sort of radiates outward. And that, that's what truth feels like in my body, is that sensation. So then when I'm looking to create a new thought in my thought work, such as, uh, let's see, my worth isn't tied to my productivity. Perhaps you feel in and check in. Does that resonate as truth? When you are in the depths of burnout, it may not, right? right? From your socialization and your conditioning, it, it may not. And so we bridge to it. I believe that it is possible that someday I can disarticulate my self-worth as a mammal and my production within late-stage capitalism. I believe that it is possible that someday, right? And I invite my clients to create a bridge that's like the Taconic plus the Triborough plus the GW plus the Verrazano. <laughs> if you're not from the, just, New York, look it up. <laughs> I love this because it's a great example of your use of kitten-sized Yes. And I mean, if anyone was able to come up with a uh, action that was as lengthy and yet still articulate as you were just able to craft, I would be phenomenally impressed. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. Why, thank, thank you. you. But I think it's important. What you're getting at here is really yes. important, which is that you, if it doesn't feel true to who you are, then it's, it's almost worthless, right? If you are going to sit at your desk and just repeat to yourself, I can do this. And I mean, that's a very bland statement, it. but I can yeah. do this. I can do this. I can do I'm this. Good enough. And it, yeah. it's not, that might not stir the positivity and that positive, great blue energy that you were right. talking about in a way that's going to be helpful. But what can do something helpful is getting really honest with yourself yeah. about what's a good thing that I can put into my body right now that I can tell myself right mm -hmm. now, that's going to make me a happier and perhaps even more productive person. Right. Or less productive. If that makes you feel good. Right. <laughs> if that makes you feel good. Okay. Yeah. I love these yeah. three A's. Thanks. So you. helpful. Yeah. It's so been really helpful. helpful for me too. Yeah. Anything that we haven't double clicked on mm. yet that we should make time for before I let you go when it comes to burnout, any other wisdom that you want to dispel on the hurdlers? Yeah. Uh, nature keeps coming to me really powerfully, right? So, so many of us, particularly those of us who live in big cities, um, I recently moved up to the Hudson Valley after a very, very, very long time on occupied Lenape territory in Brooklyn, New York, still on occupied Lenape territory up here. Um, but I have access to nature now, which is such a, a gift and a privilege that I am, I, you know, I don't sleep on that for like a millisecond that I get to open my window and there's fresh air and trees. Um, nature is a powerful resource for our nervous system. Um, we come from nature. She wants our best, our best everything. And so there's actually a study that shows that people with plants in their office report less burnout. Um, and I think it's, it's bringing nature in. Right. Recognizing that ventral vagal, which is the safe and social part of our nervous system, can be found when we connect inward and connect inward towards nature. So if you live in a city that can be, again, a plant in your office, it really so there's studies that show that visualizing 
um, and, and really powerfully visualizing the thing we want, the thing we want to connect with, the thing we need can actually have really significant impacts on our nervous system. So even just taking, and again, we're going to, we're habit stack it. Every time you pee, don't take your phone in there. Close your eyes and picture nature, a field, a tree, a bird, a deer's, right? Take Who doesn't want to think about deers when they're peeing? Fools. Fools and idiots. <laughs> Morons. No. <laughs> oh, Jerks. I'm dead. I'm Jerks. dead. I'll think, I'll think about crashing ocean waves. That feels appropriate Fine. for the scenario. I really, that is actually a more appropriate pee-based <laughs> meditation. And I, I appreciate your taking us to there. I woke up this morning. You. Thank you. I appreciate. Thank you, my sister. I woke up this morning to a yard full of deers. Would so. it be deers? Or it's deer? not. It's a deer. I'm an ESL kid, and sometimes saying things wrongly just makes my brain very amused. Oh man, I am. Yeah, I'm here probably should have started with that end. disclaimer at the front. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Well, Victoria, your your insight on this, all of your knowledge on this topic, it's so helpful, and I know that I'm certainly walking away from this conversation with a handful of takeaways to navigate both, you know, everything from just regular overwhelm to probably inevitable burnout mm. in the months to come. And I think to end here, I just want to kind of run home something that we we touched on earlier, which is once you kind of deal with this, maybe for the first time, or even if it's the 18th time, but you're finally starting to utilize a skill set that really mm. works for you. Mm -hmm. It's important to recognize that like, you now have that skill set. Right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. You can do thought work to not go into the overwhelm in the first place. Right. right. You can help yourself to not engage with those overwhelmed thoughts and choose a different narrative for yourself. And as you tap into greater self-love, you get to ask yourself questions like, what what do I really, truly want for my life? And is it aligned with with this type of work? If you have the right. privilege to be asking that that kind of a question. Right. It's totally. an important thing to do. Totally. Well, Loved this convo. Appreciate you. Victoria, how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you for more of your great wisdom on the regular? <laughs> Give us the details. Thank you. So I have a podcast called Feminist Wellness. It comes out every Thursday on all of the places. Uh, you can find me on the gram at Victoria Albina Wellness. I give good gram. And if you go over to victoriaalbina.com, you can get a suite of free meditations uh, and nervous system exercises. So there's a grounding meditation, an orienting exercise, which is great for folks who do not feel embodied safety when they go inward into their bodies. We always want to honor that. Um, plus meditations on boundaries, inner children's, also not a word. Um, yeah. And so that's just at the top of the page at victoriaalbina.com. Love it all. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time.